Welcome to Calling the Audible. It is episode two, part two of episode two. I'm your host, Iggy Magnets, on the Thursday show, being posted up on YouTube and Spotify on Fridays, as this is the new CTA format between Mo and I, where Mo does half the divisions one day on one episode, part one, if you will, and I do the other half of the divisions uh, in part two of calling the audible uh, again for week two um, because the winter season is so massive we have so many divisions to cover uh, the best way we find uh, to really bring you as much content as possible and really go in depth in each division is to split it up into in, into two uh, so that's the new format we're going to be having uh, three guest contributors here on tonight's uh, show we'll have Jerome Hovington uh, joining us in div- for talking division four, we're gonna have Lori Willette back double dipping here on uh, calling the audible. Uh, she'll be covering coed one and coed two, as that is the division she is writing for as a the division article writer. And then we'll wrap it up uh, for in terms of our guests with Dan Lazara. Uh, yes, the one and only Dan Lazara, uh, going to talk a little bit to us about uh, division one and his thoughts on the division one season. Of course, we'll, uh, we'll talk 35 plus, uh, as well as co-ed three. Uh, I'll go a little monologue uh, session, solo session here as, uh, as our guests weren't available here tonight. Uh, and, but you know, perhaps my dog, uh, Leo, as uh, Ali Reza, the producer met, uh, there he is making an appearance. Uh, maybe he, he can talk 35 plus with me. Uh, he's an old dog. So, um, so that's, that's the rundown of the show. Uh, the a little bit of an introduction for you. So uh, as we jump right into it, uh, we bring you the news and notes as we always do. Uh, again, picture week uh, started in week two. That continues strong into week three. Uh, so uh, either at the beginning of your game or most likely during halftime, your scorekeeper is going to be the one taking your, your team picture. So uh, please be kind to your scorekeepers. Uh, listen to them if they tell you on, you know, how to set up half down, half on top, uh, standing up. Um, so picture, t- uh, picture week continues. Uh, of course, if you want your individual picture taken, if you're brand new to the league, they can absolutely do that for you. If you want one retaken, if you don't particularly like the one you have, not a problem. Just ask your scorekeeper uh, to do that. We can update your individual picture. Uh, the uniform rule, that's kicking in now as week three uh, comes on Saturday. So what is the uniform rule? In order to get your games played and your stats, you need the same color jersey. You need to be wearing the same color jersey as your teammates. And it needs to have a proper number. So two things. And what does a proper number mean? Proper number means that your number cannot be taped or markered on. So a legit pressed on number, either on the front or the back. It can even be on the side, uh, but really it needs a number uh, in, in order to identify yourselves for scorekeepers, uh, for the referees. Uh, and really, if you want ac- the most accurate stats, uh, of course, wearing a number is, is the, the, the basis for all of all of that. So uh, again, uniform rule kicks in for week three. Uh, uh, complex protocols. Mo went over these. Uh, just to reiterate, 
we're going to make sure that uh, the soccer nets are cleared out of the way so that your your safety uh, is is well uh, ensured as you play your game. So give uh, give the scorekeepers a hand if uh, to move the soccer nets out of the way. Of course, uh, the no boots policy um, for Brossard. So uh, as you enter the Brossard field, uh, they've asked us to relay the message to take off your boots, uh, put your cleats on as you're entering the fields, the turf fields uh, at Brossard. Uh, and of course, the Laval complexes, Saint Laurent, uh, even Brossard themselves. Uh, when you're arriving for the first slate of games, so the six o'clock games uh, on the weekends and the nine o'clock games on the weekdays, uh, this, this goes to a bare dome as well. Um, if there are young kids uh, playing soccer, uh, trust me, their parents do not want your 40-year-old, 50-year-old uh, changing on the sidelines. So, um, uh, so please uh, change in the locker rooms that are assigned to you, especially the likes of Stade de Montréal, Saint Laurent, even the Laval main building. Please, if you're in the dome, please change in the, the, uh, the Laval main building. Uh, and then last thing here, um, the flag belts, uh, exactly. The flag belts are now, there are two different versions. So we have the old white flag belts, which are in limited supply. There's probably only about 20 left out there. Uh, those go for $5. The new flag belts, the green camo, uh, now go for $10. So, uh, just to clarify all of that, um, and that's pretty much it. That's the introduction. That's the the uh, information we need to relay to uh, communicate out to all the those watching calling the audible, as we will be joined shortly. And that's where we're going to start here uh, with Division Four and Jerome Hovington uh, is going to be joining us. Uh, so as soon as I get the Ali Reza nod of approval, um, we'll have Jerome Hovington joining us here. Right, but as uh, as he joins, um, uh, and again, Jerome Hovington is our Division 4A and 4B article writer. Uh, so he's going to be joining us in a few uh, moments here. Uh, but before he joins, let's recap here uh, the week that was in Division 4A. We'll, we'll start with Division 4A here. So some of the key notes, uh, news and notes from Division 4A. Uh, we had big fun. Uh, get the best of Jordan McInnes and uh, the Smitty Bacall gang. Uh, they uh, start their season off uh, hot, uh, winning 25-20. Uh, you had still CRA. They remain undefeated at 2-0 uh, as they got the best of Justin Weir and Balls Deep. Uh, you had another team, uh, Bed Boost Ballers. They now dropped to 0-2 uh, as they went undefeated. Remember, last year they went undefeated as the Reed. Um, 10 and 0. They are now 0 and 2, the Bet Boost Ballers are, uh, as they fell to the greedy nomads. You had undisciplined flaggers. Uh, looks like they're going to struggle this year uh, as they lost in a drubbing, an absolute drubbing, 43 0 to Les Artères Extreme. Um, so that's something uh, to keep an eye out. It's going to be the, uh, the quarterback play of uh, Corey Sim Robertson with undisciplined flaggers. Uh, I think you had the upset, maybe the upset of the week. We're going to get the, uh, the the take of Jerome Hovington here. Uh, but maybe you had the upset of the week with Les Bleus Branlats, LBB, taking out, taking out the West Island boys uh, in a one-point victory. Of course, the West Island boys coming off a, uh, 
let's see, it was a fall cup. So they were in tier three, a tier three uh, championship in the fall cup. Um, you had trap stars uh, getting revenge over backfield penetrators uh, or backfield penetration uh, to be more precise um, as uh, revenge in what way in the fall cup, these two teams met and the trap stars were ravaged completely ravaged by injuries in the uh, entire fall cup tournament. One of the games where they lost, I believe it was Cooper young uh, was against the, uh, the four, the four, mentioned uh illegal use of hands that ended up in a forfeit loss um but trap stars now coming into the winter season uh, get a much needed uh victory over backfield penetration and then lastly uh, you had mofos they were able to get uh, a win over les montagnards les montagnards are now owing to themselves we so bed ballers and les montagnards two very very good squads in division 4a fall to owing to uh, but really, it was the Mofo's defense. They had two uh, defensive scores, two pick sixes uh, as uh, uh, against Les Montagnards. As uh, Montagnards were without their starting quarterback, uh, Julien Fissessi. So uh, that just shows you the importance of having uh, your, your starting quarterback there. And the importance really of having perhaps a uh, a secondary option at, at quarterback, as of course, this is a recreational league. So uh, starting quarterbacks are bound to miss uh, a game or two here. Um, uh, Nightingale, please uh, tell me that Jerome Hovington is, uh, is now uh, on. He is. All right, he is on his way, coming in a minute, um, as that's uh, the best I could do to, uh, to kind of recap uh, Division 4A. I'll kind of preview here uh, to the viewers and the audience uh, what we're going to talk about with Jerome. Uh, so uh, as much as I just mentioned, you know, uh, Les Montagnards and uh, Bet Boost Ballers, as Leo tries to get his uh, his opinion on things, um, uh, as, as we mentioned that those two teams are fell, fall to an 0-2 hole, uh, we're going to get the opinion of Jerome Hovington uh, about the 2-0 teams and which uh, we're going to, you know, categorize those 2-0 teams. So we're going to get his thoughts on the undefeated teams in Division 4A. Uh, we're also going to get uh, his opinion on uh, which teams are going to get their uh, their first win of the season between uh, Les Montagnards and Bet Boost Ballers. And uh, and then uh, as we'll, we'll move to the second part, uh, with Jerome, we'll we'll also talk Division Four B with him. Um, we're gonna see and talk about uh, two teams that are potentially, uh, or let's let's put it this way, that they have a a very good secondary quarterback option to go with. So uh, between Voodoo and Pocket Rockets, these are two teams that suffered losses in Week Two, uh, and we're gonna get the opinion of uh, of Jerome what he thinks um, between those two teams. If one of those two teams were to make a quarterback switch, uh, what Jerome thinks uh, ab about that, w would it be more Voodoo or Pocket Rockets that are more likely to make a, uh, a quarterback switch? And then finally, we'll, uh, we'll end the last topic uh, talking about Dak with the future uh, and, and get his thoughts on, on, on them. They, of course, played in the spring season in Division D, had uh, some, saw some success there. So we're gonna get his thoughts on where he sees them finishing uh, and and uh, kind of categorize them as well. And then of course, we're gonna do our famous games of the week, 
with uh, with Jerome as we're going to go through the list, the entire list of Division 4A and 4B games. And uh, and we're going to see um, Jerome's take on who's basically the winner of all those. So uh, usually we would do this at the end of calling the Audible. Because it's a new format, we're going to do games of the week for each division with each of our contributors. Uh, so I believe we do have Jerome Hovington here on the call with us. Uh, Nightingale, can you confirm that? All right. He, he will be joining us in 30 seconds. My God, I cannot stall any longer. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, Jerome's going to give his thoughts, like I said, on on uh, Division 4A and 4B. Uh, as uh, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about uh, about really a, a very fascinating Division 4. There's, uh, there's I, I, and, and I'm curious to get Jerome's thoughts on how how the division is split up, right? There's some really, really strong teams. Uh, some, I, I guess you can kind of say that about all divisions, you know, it's normally distributed. You had, you have some really strong teams, some weak teams and most teams in the middle. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what Jerome has to say about that. Um, but right now, those, those strong teams, like I mentioned, uh, Betboost Ballers and uh, Le Montagnan, two teams that I believe Montagnan are, are, are at least notorious for going eight and two, nine and one being in the top five seeds. Uh, they're starting off. zero and two and bed boost ballers. Like I said, the rate last year went 10 and zero, and the season before that in the winter, don't forget they won the division five a, I believe it was. Uh, so this is a team uh, that they're both teams. They're not used to losing. So, in the, amidst all the adversity, we need to really see, uh, and and that's what I'm going to be curious about with uh, with Jerome. You know, who's more battle tested, uh, and who's going to come out swinging in the coming weeks? Because man, both of those teams definitely need some wins. Uh, so thirty, yes, is, do we? I believe we have Jerome Hovington on with us. Five seconds. I I kind of see him in the background, but. Uh, uh, there he is, Jerome Hovington. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Iggy. How you been? Hey, man, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, as the uh, audience viewers and listeners uh, have been here he, listening to me speak on and on about Division Four, uh, I'm going to be very curious, uh, Jerome, uh, to get your thoughts on the division. But first, a quick introduction, uh, Jerome. How many teams are you playing on this year? Uh, just give you a little background about yourself. Uh, and I believe this season, Jerome, is the one-year anniversary where you started uh, FPF. It is, it is. So I, I am currently playing on three teams. Uh, Kiss My Christmas Balls, nice name, in Coed 2. Um, in Division 3, I'm playing with uh, Arch Nemesis of uh, Iggy's team, Kiss My In-Laws, uh, Diamond Bougie. And I'm playing in Division 4 with Iggy on uh, Idaho Unipimps. So I started back in winter 2023 i think yeah. uh iggy brought me into his um kiss mine last team when i was uh, a 60 rated player and we uh, just went on to win a championship yeah exactly yeah that was that was nice and uh, when the days when we had 60 uh, 60 ratings uh, uh now we're we're both uh, kind of <laughs> in the, the the 80s where uh at least for you you're you're accurately rated now uh jerome um <laughs> all right jerome uh let's let's dive in here uh i already gave a preview to the to the listeners and viewers out there of what we're going to talk about um so 
the two and O teams in Division Four A uh, amongst them. So we got Les Hotels Extremes, we have Still CRA, Big Fund, and Les Bleus Branlas. Uh, we're going to categorize four of these uh, or three of these uh, teams. So I want, first of all, who is a true contender? I want to know who's an uh, an early false king. And three, the third team, I want who are you most surprised with that's sitting at 2-0? All right. So uh, the true contender has to be, uh, for me, Les Stag Extreme. Um, I think the first thing that uh, makes me think that is their differential through two games, which is at plus 52, which is a big league, a big lead. Also, um, the quarterback position, obviously, um, record is usually very dependent on the quarterback play. And uh, Chris Vejo is obviously one of the best in the division. Um, they've got also a lot of depth skill in the squad. And uh, they've got two great defensive players in Umar Touré and Xavier Sauvé, who can, uh, or Ballhawks, who uh, have already three picks each through uh, two games, which is a... Uh, which is great for a quarterback, makes you play with more confidence when you when you can trust that your defense is going to get some stops. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so, yeah, so you have Otari Extreme as your true contender. Who do you have as your false king? Um, big fun. And not that I think that it's a bad team, I just don't think that they're that good. Um, they beat two <laughs> average teams. Yeah. <laughs> They beat two average teams, and the scores weren't that convincing. They, uh, they won both games by uh, only one possession. I don't see a true star at the receiver position on that squad. Um, they have good, they have really good depth, though. So that's that's a thing that's going to play in favor of them. But I don't know if they have that player that can bring them to another level. Um, obviously, they have a, a very good quarterback in uh, uh, Evan Nolet, but. Um, in the past, he's had some troubles with turnovers. He's thrown his fair share of picks in the past, and he gets sacked quite a lot as well. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, one name to keep an eye out if uh, for a superstar status, um, uh, Rico Tulino. Uh, watch out for him. He's he's usually the one getting about three, four hundred yards in the the ten plus touchdown range. So uh, that that would be the name uh, I, I watch out if you're playing uh, if you're playing big fun. And then wrap it up. Uh, who are you most surprised that is 2-0? It's got to be still CRA, of course. Um, they had a very tough um, season in Tier 2. Um, and that's I was with Ryan Karouf at the quarterback position. And now you have Nero Shoresh, who was their best receiver, now playing in the QB position. And it hasn't gone well at all, which is why I'm surprised that they're 2-0, considering he's thrown six picks and... Uh, four picks and only six touchdowns. Um, obviously, they have a good roster, um, especially defensively. They're able to get a lot of picks. We saw that in our game. They uh, they um, they did a good job uh, covering our receivers. They did a good job uh, baiting uh, our QB Brady. But um, they have a really good roster, and the defense has kind of carried them so far. Suresh is going to have to take another step forward. He's going to have to get more comfortable if they want to have a a true shot, but I think there's going to be a, a regression there and eventually they're going to get some losses. Yeah, I, I can see them, you know, picking up a, a couple of losses, but uh, Niros Suresh, it's not the first, it's not his first crack at quarterback. Uh, and, and you know, for most teams, as, as you play, as you get more familiar with the concepts, uh, if he keeps it simple, I think they can be, you know, uh, a six and four, 
maybe maybe seven and three because they're starting two and zero. Oh. Uh, but uh, definitely not not a bad team here. Uh, Jerome, we looked at the uh, the the undefeated teams. Let's take a look now at the winless teams. Uh, so you have here uh, Le Montagnon and Bet Boost Ballers, both very good teams in my opinion. Uh, both starting at zero and two. So who's of the two? Is gonna is gonna get their uh, number their first win sooner. Um, obviously, there's kind of a conflict of interest here since we uh, we play uh, Bet Boost Ballers this Saturday. So there's gonna be a there's a bit of I don't know there, but I think they've got a if we if we come out and we play like uh, like we did against Still Sierra, they're gonna destroy us. Um, uh, Bet Boost Ballers is really talented. The games they've lost were. Uh, we're very close. They were in the game. They've got a lot of uh, a lot of talent. Obviously, Oriana Pony, who I played with uh, um, on Diamond Bougie Division Three, very talented player. You played with him in Kiss Mine Laws. Yeah, he yeah. pushed up for you in the playoffs. Um, yeah. That's that's a really good player. And then there's there's other guys as well. There, obviously, it's Ferrier Brothers, uh, Matthew Simard, who's a really really talented player, very athletic. Yeah. So I think. They're a team that, despite finishing 0-2, I can still see them as a contender in a way. I don't know if they're going to win this weekend against us, but uh, that, that win is going to come soon. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for them. All right, well, uh, we'll, we'll switch over to uh, Division 4B now. Uh, and in uh, 4B, uh, Jerome, I, I, I want to yeah. know, uh, there, you know, we were talking about this uh, kind of offline. Uh, and there are two teams that, that kind of interest me. It's Voodoo and Pocket Rocket. Uh, now, Voodoo did get a big win in week one, but it was under Patrick Saint-Amand. And in week two, with Frank K, the regular quarterback of Voodoo, uh, they, they, they I, I can't recall the score exactly, but uh, it was a significant loss. Some, uh, uh, you know, a, a game that I thought they should have won. Um, so between Voodoo and Pocket Rockets, uh, which are going with uh, Jean-Francois Marquis, Instead of a PO, um, a PO at, at the quarterback position, I wonder uh, which team is more likely to make a quarterback switch because both of their backup quarterbacks are very effective and, and have led them to wins in the past. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, for Voodoo, I think that Patrick Saitama is a better option at the quarterback than Frank Kay, but Frank Kay is the GM. He's a he's a long time long time quarterback of this team, right? And he's not a bad QB at all. It was it was an off game that he had uh, against a very good uh, penetrators defense. I wouldn't press the panic button button yet, but he's got to get the new guys more involved. Uh, Jimmy Como had five touchdowns in his first career game, and he only saw one target in the second game. So it's it's maybe more about using the new players more effectively, um, getting them involved and see what they can do, let them prove themselves. But I, I wouldn't hit the panic button just yet. Um, for Pocket Rockets, it's kind of a confusing move since uh, Marquis is probably their best receiver. Yeah. And I I don't I don't know how he's not like he's not that experienced, that great at uh, quarterback yet. So it's kind of like yeah, Po should be tr- uh, throwing. Just simply by the fact that you need Marquia at receiver, so I think uh, that's a change that's going to happen fairly quickly, uh, actually. Okay, well, uh, we'll we'll see. They 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 kind of told me they they design they 
by design uh, made uh, Marquis the quarterback. So let's see how long uh, that experiment lasts. Uh, and then to uh, to wrap up the last uh, topic here for Division 4B, uh, I want to take a look and, and know your thoughts about Dak with the future. Um, where are they going to end up uh, in terms of seeding uh, in your eyes, Jerome, because uh, that's a team in Division D that did pretty fairly well. Uh, I believe went two, maybe three rounds deep in the playoffs in Division D. Uh, a team with definitely a lot of athleticism and gain just gaining experience year after year. So where do you think they end up? And, uh, and give me a status for them. Are they going to be a legit contender? Are they going to be a dark horse? Are they going to be a false king? What type of team are they going to be at the end of the season? Um, I'd say that they're probably going to finish top seven, maybe six or seven, because they're, right. the roster is not as good as uh, as it was. You still got uh, Jeremy Laplante, who's a, a really good receiver. Obviously, Justin Gauthier, you know him, you play with him. Uh, very good quarterback, uh, very sound, great arm. Um, there's also the, I don't know if, if he's new, but Maxime Charquet, we had a really good game in um, uh, in week one. Um yeah, he's a new player. Uh, that's an interesting player to uh, to follow. Um, I don't think they're contenders just yet. There are teams that I think are better. Uh, Renard Vif, for example, um, a team led by a very good quarterback. I'd say they're more of a of a pretender at this point. They're they've got some talent, but it's it's just gonna have gonna be a question of whether they're able to put it all together. And I I don't know how much I trust. Uh, the depth on the squad. I think it's very top heavy right. and um, like uh, somebody else is going to need to step up beside uh, Shakya and, um, and Right. Uh, so, so I agree with you there. Uh, look for, uh, for depth coming in the form of Louis Felix, Juan La Chapelle. Uh, you know, obviously give it to the, the, the person with four names uh, in their, in their name. Uh, but, uh, but that's where they land right now in your eyes, Jerome. But how about at the end of the season? So they might be a pretender right now, but are they going to maybe be a dark horse then, in your opinion? Is it a team that in the 6-7 seed, like you think they're going to be, uh, is it a team that's uh, perhaps in the 2 or 3 seed that might not want to face them? Uh, obviously, obviously, because uh, they're very athletic. That's a, that's a, that's a thing you're going to notice right away uh, against Dak to the future. They're able to make a lot of plays on the ball defensively. And in any given game, if like things... Uh, things fall out in the right order, then they can beat, for sure, they can beat anyone. And with Justin Gauthier at QB, he's able to pop off for a perfect game almost. So obviously that that's a team that I think will have some some consistency issues throughout the season, but can definitely make some noise in the playoff. All right, and then Jerome, we're gonna wrap up uh, Division Four with uh, with games of the week. We're doing them at the end of our contributor segment and not at the end of the show, because that's what just makes sense with this format. So we're going to go ahead and get your uh, game picks of the week. Uh, we're going to start in Division 4A. Uh, so you know you know how this drill goes. Uh, we got Undisciplined Flaggers versus Still CRA. Still CRA. Boost Ballers against Idaho Utipims. Can't pick it. All right, can't pick it. Uh, big Fun versus Balls Deep. Uh, give me Big Fun. We got Nomads versus Smitty Bacalgan. Give me Nomads. Okay. We got Born in the 80s, our boy David Andrade, uh, against Mofos. 
my boy Tsumoku Sano go, mm, I'm going to go uh, uh, born in the 80s. Begin for Sanders. Oh, I like that call. I like that call. Uh, Les Otariers Extreme against Step Brothers. Otariers Extreme. Yeah, I Blow agree up. with you there. Uh, backfield penetration against Les Montagnards. Going to be close, but I'm going to go with backfield penetration. All right. And then uh, the last game in Division 4A, Trap Stars against LBB. Uh, give me LBB. Really? Okay. Uh, Trap Stars just coming off a big win uh, in Week 2. Uh, in 4B, Jerome, we got Monkeys versus the Penetrators. Uh, penetrators. Got Le Renard Vif against Team Sexy. Great game. Uh, give me Renard Vif. And then you have Renard Vip playing a double header on the Sunday, uh, playing against Scrum Diddly Umptious. Uh, Renard Vip just said I don't want to say the other name. <laughs> All right. You got Voodoo with maybe Patrick St. Amand uh, against Pocket Rockets. Funny, uh, funny enough. Interesting. Uh, give me Voodoo. Frankie's going to turn it around. Okay. Uh, Scrum Diddly Umptious against Mangoose. Uh, uh, give me Mangoose. Félix Antoine Lavigne going to pop off. And, oh, okay. And two more games. Killer Rays versus Fourth and Schlong. Uh, Killer Rays. Will Tyler Gerber get another 15 targets? And then Ball Don't Lie against the Wolfpack. Uh, ball Don't Lie. All right, Jerome. Again, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Calling the Audible. Thanks for covering the division. Uh, when can we expect your Division 4 article? Uh, tomorrow. All right. Almost tomorrow almost will done. be almost done. Tomorrow means Friday. So same day as the podcast release. Uh, you heard it here. You can go ahead and read Jerome's article and catch up uh, for week three in Division 4. Jerome, thanks again. Thank you, Iggy. All right. Good night. Okay, so we uh, we fade out Jerome here, uh, and we move along with uh, to the co-ed division. So uh, again, we're gonna have Lottie Willette, who is standing by with us uh, in for gonna be talking co-ed one and co-ed two with us, as she is the division article writer for both co-ed one and co-ed two. Co-ed three, uh, our division article writer is Zachary Alberts Gill, will not be joining us, but here we are. Uh, Lori Willette, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining uh, right here on Calling the Audible, episode two, part two. Hi, Iggy. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, okay. Are you ready to talk some uh, COVID-1 and COVID-2? Always. Uh, excellent. So, uh, so Lori, uh, uh, you know, week two got uh, ended with Party Mix playing against... Uh, uh, who did they play? Uh, no, they played Easy Fun in the uh, in the first week. Uh, let's just bring that up here as uh, as it was a Wednesday game in uh, in Laval. I don't believe we have the video for it, um, but uh, Party Mix was playing against Le Petit Fuck. So yes. Petit Fuck getting getting their uh, their season started with a loss. Yeah. Uh, Party Mix go to two and zero. So are you surprised? Uh, by party mixes undefeated start to the season uh yes and and no because i haven't i don't know them that well but they've been playing in the in the league for quite a while but they haven't mm -hmm. been there for the past seasons but uh, no, they have great athletes they have uh, Anne Frédéric, uh, 
Tardif, and they have uh, AJ Gomes that they recently added, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. Francois Delory is uh, throwing. So I think yeah. they're a solid team, honestly. So no, I'm not surprised. Uh, I think they can uh, come up with more wins also during this season. So you're not surprised. Now, uh, are you more surprised, though, uh, that they're 2-0 and or that Easy Fun, their week one opponent, is actually undefeated and fall to an 0-2 hole? They're actually the last in the division right now. I am very surprised by Easy Fun's uh, losses. I was not expecting it. I think uh, they're an amazing team. They've been in Kuwait 1 for a while. And they've been playing together for a while also, as much as the, as the girls and the boy, the, the guys. So, mm-hmm. yes, I'm very surprised by their losses. I was not expecting it at all. Yeah, I mean, I, it's tough for them to start 0-2. But yes. their week one, I get it. You know, week one, it's, it's the, the rush New season, coming off yeah. the holidays. Exactly. And, and you're playing a good team in, in party mix, uh, which, again, yeah. like you mentioned, uh, brought AJ Gomes. And then week two... They had a chance to win that game against Plenty of Fish. It was a great battle at Brossard on Saturday. Uh, I believe they had uh, the ball with with five plays remaining uh, and just couldn't punch it in. Now, another key thing in that game, as we have another guest here on the show, uh, um, a key thing in that game, they were only five players. Because of the new three, maximum of three men on the field, uh, they didn't have three females to start the game. So they were actually playing with just five players. So uh, perhaps if they were full, fully fully loaded and fully squad, uh, they that they may have come out uh, with the victory, although it, it wasn't to be. Um, I do agree with you. Yeah. So, uh, Laurie, in uh, the, we just talked a little bit about uh, Le Petit Fuck as they started their season. In that game against uh, Party Mix. Uh, there, there was an interesting stat line, so we'll, we'll just bring it up here uh, for Le Petit Fuck. And it, there, there were two things that stood out to me. Uh, and it was that Dom Lafal had, uh, and notorious for running, he's, he's uh, very known that if he's able to run, he's gonna definitely do it. He had yeah. 109 rushing yards on just six attempts with one rushing touchdown. Uh, now, as we see though on the stat sheet, uh, the Pitsifuk uh, offensive receivers, there were 10 different players that caught a ball. So what's more surprising to you, the 10 different receivers or the 100 yards rushing on six attempts? And what's more likely uh, to be sustainable for this team to pick up wins? I'm more surprised by the 10 receivers getting the ball because uh, we know them LaFall. He's been playing a while and he knows how to run. He, he can run fast. He he can get open and everything. So he I'm not surprised be, yeah. by his rushing. Yeah, he, he he runs a lot. So I'm more surprised by the 10 receivers because uh, that means that the receivers are able to get open or Dom Lafar is able to throw them the ball where it needs to be. So I think, yeah, 10 receivers is a lot. So he's able to distribute the ball pretty much to all of his receivers. Yeah, exactly. And that I, I always find is the toughest thing for a defense is – uh, is when you don't know where that ball is going. When yeah. there are when there are eight or you know six different receivers uh, on the field, and any of them uh, can be the target of that pass, it makes it so difficult that uh, that your defense never knows where the ball is going, and you have to be just as deep defensively as the offense is with their receivers. So I always find that's a very difficult thing. So do you think it's more sustainable to win 
like that, throwing the ball to 10 different receivers or with Dom Lafon rushing the ball for 100, uh, rushing for 100 yards? I mean, it's pretty hard to choose because for both sides of the question, if he's able to throw to a lot of his different receivers, the defense is always going to have to, like, look out for the offense because they're never going to know what's going to happen. They're never going to know like exactly who he's going to throw to. And on the other side, Dom Lafal can run. So adjusting to that also, he's very fast, very hard to catch maybe and get the flags. So I think I'd go for both. Both could be sustainable. Oh, come on. You got to give me one. Give me one. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, the 10 receivers. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, our co-ed one talk. We're going to move along over to co-ed two, uh, Lodi, as we had uh, the battle of the balls deep. We had balls deep against Val Profond. Uh, of course, Val Profond uh, have been balls deep for a few seasons now. Um, and, but we had a balls deep in co-ed three, uh, or sorry, co-ed two uh, last fall cup. Uh, so there was a, a registration battle for, for the team name. Um, but Balls Deep, the co-ed two team, uh, was the one that came out victorious and with a, quite a, by quite a large margin. Uh, so uh, how do you analyze that Balls Deep victory and how do you analyze the Bal Profond loss? I'm so, well, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm surprised or anything, but like a 43 win over 25 is huge. Uh, I know Benjamin Carly and he's, he's good at, at throwing the ball where he needs to be. Like he, his receivers get open and they're also able to catch. So, and the female receivers are amazing also. So the fact that they won by 43-25 is, is really good. Their offense did really well. And I'm guessing by the defense, uh, they also did good with two interceptions. So that's really good on their part. And the, the losses, well, the loss from Bal Profonde, uh, Sebastian, uh, he's been a quarterback for a while also. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit surprised that, I don't know, maybe it's a new team, would you say? Bal uh, Profonde? No, yeah. they, they, they've been playing together, but, but Seb Noel as the quarterback, this is the first full, uh, full season he's going to be throwing with them. So maybe okay. he's just developing the chemistry just now. Um, but he has a lot of weapons on that team, starting exactly. with Francois Rachelot, right? The, that's, yeah. that's a big weapon. Uh, you yeah. have Loris Saint-Ange, you have uh, Yves Charbonneau. Uh, they're, 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 especially their female players, don't, don't underestimate them. Yeah. Um, what stands out to me, the ball's deep, scoring seven touchdowns on just 12 completions. So that tells me the the Bal Profond defense were giving up the long bombs uh, yeah. in, in a lot in in strides, right? Whether it was Thomas Longlois, uh, one reception, thirty nine yards, uh, uh, three receptions for Stephen Fioridi, uh, fifty five yards, two touchdowns, right? So yeah. uh, they were giving up the big plays, uh, but I'm not too sure if that's sustainable. If you take that away from balls deep, are they going to be scoring forty three week in week out? I don't think so. No, I'm pretty well to go back to Bal Profond. Like, it's only their second game, so just like a thought like, like that, it's their second game, so they're still getting used to each other, I'm guessing. So, we'll see as the season develops. I'm sure they're, they're gonna get even better and better, and like the chemistry is gonna, gonna come. So, I'm not worried about Bal Profond, okay? And then, uh, Laurie, to wrap up co ed two, uh, yes. your team pass whooping. 
I believe you're one of two teams that hasn't uh, played a game yet this yeah. winter season. Um, so I'm sure your your team, you included, are probably very anxious to get on the field and see how your team stacks against the yes. 21 other co-ed two teams. Uh, so when you look at your schedule, Lori, uh, yeah. give me a team that you can't wait to face. So you're really excited to face this team. Uh, maybe it's a, an ex team of yours. Maybe you've played with some of the players on the other teams. Um, so give me a, a team you can't wait to face. You're excited. And then another team that you think is going to be a tough, but a very good challenge for your team. Uh, I'm really, well, I would have really loved to play against Kiss My Christmas Balls, but uh-huh. unfortunately, I'm not playing against them uh, during the regular season. So I would say Team Meow Meow, because I've been recently talking to Maxime Giroud, and he told me okay. about like, his team, like how he, yeah. he built it and everything. Yeah, so yeah. I'm really excited to what they're going to bring to the table, to the field. And one team that could be a challenge for yeah. possible pin, I think yeah. it is. Nestor okay. is a really fast player. He runs a lot and everything. So I think he has the speed to do some to get damage. Some yeah, do some damage. So that's that's a challenge for us. But we'll see what happens. We never know. Yeah, they're they're actually the other team that hasn't played a game yet. If uh, if I saw the uh, the standings correctly, yeah. so uh, definitely very excited to see how your team and uh, Tigres stack up in uh, in Coed two. Uh, Laurie, just like you heard with uh, Jerome, we're going to be doing uh, games of the week with you. Um, Of course, my dog wants to get involved here with uh, games of the week. Uh, We're going to start with co-ed one. So the the games for week three in co-ed one. Uh, We got the IG team starting their season against Party Mix. I think IG team has it. Okay. All right. Uh, and only two games on the schedule here. We got Easy Fun. Uh, are they going to go zero and three against Zero Sub? I actually think if they have their whole their full roster, uh, Easy Fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll be interested to see what the lineup Zero Sub uh, puts out uh, out yeah. there because uh, it's a very interesting team for sure. Uh, in Coed Two, you have yes. Tigres that we talked about against Y yeah. and Y. Tigres. All right. Team Meow Meow against Team Rocket. Uh, meow Meow. Got Balls Deep against Pass Whooping. I can't choose. <laughs> can't figure it out. All right. Uh, I'll give you a pass. We got Flash versus Lords of the Field. Uh, Lords of the Field. They have a pretty solid uh, roster. We got you and I against Fit Squad. You and I. Okay. We got yeah. Ball Hard University against McNuggies. Uh, that's a, the difficult one. I'll go Ball Hard. And then uh, Ball Profond against Pig Six. Pig Six. They've been doing well up to now. Yeah, they're they're one of the teams that's uh, still undefeated at two and zero, sitting at top of Coed Two. So you think they're Laurie that they're gonna go three and zero and remain yeah. as the number one seed? Uh, Laurie will let. Thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, thanks for talking Coed 1, Coed 2. And then uh, before you sign off, when can we expect your Coed 1 and 2 article for the week? Uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. Tomorrow, tomorrow night is Friday night. So it's going to be a Friday uh, uh, content, article, full of content. Yeah, yeah full of content. <laughs> you'll have the podcast coming out. You'll have Jerome's article for Division 4. And you'll have Laurie Willette's article 
for COVID yes. one and COVID two. Lori, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, of course, there is one more co-ed division, uh, co-ed three. Uh, unfortunately, Zachary Alberts Gill uh, had his commitments for the night. He did appear on Mo's part one of uh, Calling the Audible, covering division five. Uh, so we're going to go a little solo mission here, a little monologue, uh, you and me with the viewer, um, talking co-ed three. Um, so there, there were a few things that went, uh, went around my mind when I was thinking about co-ed three. And, uh, one, one of those things was, uh, about half and half. Uh, this is a team that went to the co-ed three finals in the winter division. Now in the co-ed three finals, uh, or, or just in winter division, uh, last year in general, uh, they were led by quarterback Chris Vero. Uh, who's now, uh, you know, considerably a uh, much better quarterback than he was back then. And he was already good then. Um, but now he's throwing in the likes of uh, co-ed one, division four, division three. Uh, so he's really ro- risen the ranks of the FPF quarterback echelon. Uh, so uh, all to say that half and half no longer has Chris Vero throwing the ball. Uh, they no longer have Gab Wiseman uh, playing on the team. So, uh, and Nightingale, just if we can get, uh, you know, one of the things before we continue with Coet 3, uh, Dan Lazara uh, just uh, is looking for our link to the show. Uh, so as I continue the talk here for Coet 3 and half and half, it's a team that I'm interested in uh, because, again, they lost some, some key pieces uh, to what made them successful in uh in co-ed three but there are still some uh some roster pieces that stay the same um and and so they sit at uh oh and two they're they they are winless on the season um and i'm i'm just curious about this team uh they lost 24 to 6 to michael scott's thoughts who again then the, they they themselves uh are have a quarterback that in transition uh with uh kenny boutelier uh of course his and year-to-year transition and, and rising the ranks of FPF quarterbacks uh, has also been impressive. Uh, so they, it, it appears that they have a leg up on uh, on a team like Half and Half, who uh, who are you know alternating between and this they they kind of did this uh, in last winter. They're alternating between Camille Saint Marie, uh, who has thrown one touchdown and five interceptions, uh, and Ma- uh, Malachi Roach. Uh, who's also only scored the one touchdown in the one game he threw with two interceptions. So uh, the quarterbacks have combined for only two touchdowns and seven interceptions, seven turnovers. Look, when you're turning over the ball, uh, that obviously means no points, and you're usually giving up prime uh, field position to your opponents. So uh, the defense puts has extra stress uh, when that's the case. And it's, it really hasn't led uh, to anything pretty. 13 points, four in two games, and 43 points again. So, look, the defense with 43 points, that means you're averaging 21, 22 and a half points against. Uh, it's acceptable if your offense can put up 30 points a game, five touchdowns or so. And that hasn't been the case. So, uh, if you know, if you quickly look at that half and half schedule, uh, it, 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 it's going to be tough for them to, to pull out too many wins. Uh, if we just look at their next three games, 
you have half and half against Eclipse. Eclipse, uh, a new team uh, with Don Vass at quarterback and a new team with kind of uh, uh, free agent parts here and there. Maybe that's a win that they can get is uh, is a win over Eclipse. Uh, you have Agidou, uh, with led by Julien Prou at quarterback. Uh, that's usually, he's very experienced uh, just in general in flag. Uh, and of course, him coaching. And uh, by the way, congratulations to uh, to Julien Prou on being named an assistant uh, assistant coach. I believe with uh, U14 uh, women's team. So congratulations to you, Julien Prou. Um, usually he has his teams very well prepared. So that, to me, is going to be a difficult uh, game for half and half. And then against Bandit, uh, that's the, uh, we talked about Dak, uh, Dak to the future in Division 4B. Uh, that's uh, much of the same roster and same uh, composition of a Hunsik players. Uh, so their football experience is going gonna, is gonna to be on full display on that one. So if you, if you had to give me a uh, a record uh, after their next three games, I think they go one and two. So uh, one and four at the midseason point of of the of the season, it's going to be difficult for them to uh, to really carve out a uh, a playoff spot. Uh, it's it's a team that you know, like I said, went to the final in COVID three last year, just last winter. I think they're going to be struggling for uh, for a playoff spot. So. Uh, that's definitely a, a changing of the tides for half and half. Uh, and then the last thing uh, that went through my mind for, for co-ed three, uh, I was going through the games and I saw at least we tried against Thunder Villains. And I saw a one-point game uh, and uh, I definitely had to check out this box score because, uh, of course, as we know, Drink Team against Thunder Buddies uh, in the that was the spring 2023 final, uh, a, a game which actually was forfeited. As uh, Terry would like to uh, have me remind everyone, uh, was forfeited by uh, Drink Team uh, for a roster uh, having an illegal roster. So that that put aside, uh, definitely Thunder Villains this time around wanted their revenge and actually beating them on the football field. Uh, this game uh, came down to the wire. Terry Babalis and the Thunder Villains were down eight with one play remaining. Uh, uh, Terry Babylon, of course, hits the touchdown to make it a, a two-point game. Of course, they have to go for two to tie it, and they hit that uh, Jeremy Thompson O'Reilly. I'm not sure if he ran it in, caught the two-point convert, but he he had a 100-plus uh, receiving yard day. He was huge for, uh, for Thunder Villains. Uh, so that game actually ended in regulation with a tie but of course with our new overtime rule uh both teams have an attempt and a shot to go for a uh a extra point convert shootout round uh and thunder buddies being the home team actually decided to go first go for one and convert the one point convert so what did that mean uh and of course i'm looking at the wrong team here uh but that means that at least we tried, we're forced to go for the win, forced to go for two points. And uh, lo and behold, it's not a team that you think that Daryl Dorsley has a, a large and extensive playbook for his two-point converts, um, but it was uh, ultimately Antoine Godet, 
uh, getting the two-point convert to win them the game. So that one, uh, you know, that's a budding uh, uh, rivalry, I think, that uh, that definitely, uh, whether you're playing in COA3 or you're covering COA3, uh, Zachary Alberts Gill, uh, that this is one that you're definitely going to want to watch out. And if because if these two teams face off in the playoffs once again, my God, is it going to be a battle uh, that both teams are going to want to win? They, these two teams, very evenly matched. Uh, the roster compositions are very solid, top to bottom, uh, guy to girl. Uh, really, two teams that, you know, could we see these two teams in the finals once again? That's going to be definitely a question that, uh, that we're going to be asking ourselves come April uh, and even, uh, yeah, really late, late April. Uh, so definitely something to watch out for in the Coed 3 world. All right, we are going to move on to uh, to Division 1. And for Division 1, we're going to have Dan Lazara join us on the show. Uh, Dan, of course, not playing in uh, in Division 1. Because of his, he, he sustained an injury, I believe torn bicep it was, uh, in the Fall Cup, uh, playing with, uh, illegal use of hands. Uh, so his torn bicep has him uh, in recovery. Uh, hopefully he comes back strong. We'll see how he's doing uh, in uh, his recovery process. Uh, but since he's not playing, uh, we're going to have Dan Lazara on talking Division One, getting his thoughts on the division. Um, really interesting, uh, very interested in hearing what Dan Lazara has to say. Uh, but before we get to Dan, uh, let's recap week number two in Division One here quickly, uh, as we had, meh, some would say, a surprising win uh, for the Jamesons over Flagmoil Sac. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll ask Dan Lazara if it truly is surprising, as Flagmoil Sac were were without their starting quarterback. Uh, again, whenever you're without your starting quarterback, uh, very difficult to win uh, an FPF game. Even more so, I'd say in Division One. So we'll get Dan's thoughts on uh, on whether that was a surprising win by or Jeff Rosenblatt and the Jamesons. Uh, you have FFN uh, falling to zero and two. They're now at the bottom of uh, Division One with a loss to Party Crashers. So are are they in trouble uh, already without uh, oh, the not the only team without a win? Of course, you have Royam Lumina at zero and one All Stars and ATH Squad all sitting uh, without a victory after one game. But FFN, the only team to have played two games and uh, not register a win just yet. And then you have KGP uh, starting their season with a big W over Jeans Lee and ATH squad. So all things we're going to get perspective on uh, from Dan Lazara, who is joining us now. Uh, we're going to get him on the motion picture here very soon as the Nightingale brings in uh, Dan Lazara. Dan, welcome to the show. And I am so excited to be here and talk about some FBF football with you, Iggy. There you go. Uh, Dan, I, before we brought you on, uh, you know, I did mention to the audience, the listeners, the viewers, that, uh, that your torn bicep is keeping you out of, uh, of Division One and keeping you from playing on the football field. How is uh, the, the, uh, the progress on, uh, on your torn bicep going? So um, we're currently recovering. Still, we're in the middle of the rehab sessions. Um, 
it's going well, but unfortunately for the winter season, I'll be out. Hopefully, come springtime, I'll be ready to go and uh, making another team, competing like I always do in uh, the greatest FPF league, in the greatest flight football league, all of North America. There you go. Yeah, all right, Dan. Dan. All right, uh, Dan, we're, uh, we're going to get you started here um, with, you know, I was just recapping Division One. Uh, what is more surprising to you, uh, that Jameson's got the win over Flagmoal Sack or that KGP were able to down uh, Jeans Lee and the ATH squad? So I think I would have to go with KGP, and there's a couple of reasons here. First off, I know that Flagmois didn't have Nato Pew's throwing, which I don't understand why. Maybe there was something that occurred, but he was playing defense. I saw on the stat sheet. So I, oh. I wasn't at the game, but I, do, I did see that he was not throwing. So there might have been something there, but I'll give the credit to the Jamesons as well. However, KGP, they're an organized unit, and I was at that game. Unfortunately, Gensley, you know, he gets into it sometimes, but that's the fire in him. You got to love it. He got kicked out for 10 plays. Oh. It sucks. Yeah, so he ended up uh, knocking himself out as a quarterback. They brought in AB. AB did his thing. They have athletes everywhere this squad. Honestly, they're a very talented unit, but it's hard to spread the ball out. Like, let's be honest, they, there's a lot of mouths to feed over there, and it could be tough at times, you know. And KGP, you know, led by Kwesi, Phil Cudler, they're a team that's, you know, they're, they're persistent with what they do. They're consistent. They make sure that they rally throughout every adversity that they face. They drive down the field. They're methodical. They made sure that they converted on everything that they needed to convert to. And they made very good use of the turnovers that occurred throughout the game for the ATH squad. So I was very impressed with the KGP win. I was at that game. I saw the ending, the way it occurred. It was very shocking to me, to be honest with you. I didn't think they would pull it off, but kudos to them. Yeah, so it sounds like Jeans Lee primetime, Alexi, still on vacation mode and uh, and maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, he's just coming, just landing back and he's already, uh, he's, 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 maybe he should take go back on vacation, take things uh, a little calmer here. Um, uh, as we move along, uh, I want to talk about, uh, Dan here, about Maroons. Uh, they're obviously coming back with Chad Byers at the helm. He made his FPF return in the spring season uh, and he had, uh, you know, a decent turnout uh, in terms of uh, connecting with uh, with his receivers and whatnot. So, did first of all, did you get a chance to see Chad Byers back in action? Uh, if you did, what are your thoughts? And then we'll talk about Maroons and their schedule, uh, whether they're going to have uh, six and a half wins uh, over under. So I did get a chance to get a glimpse of him last season. Uh, he reminds me of a young Russell Wilson, I'll be honest with you. He scrambles around in that pocket. He makes plays for his receivers. You know, he's very versatile out there on the field. He's he's one of those guys that are, he's a competitor. And I'm, through talking to many people in the league of FPF, he's clearly been around the block in terms of making sure that he gets himself known around the league with various wins, making sure that he makes that tight throw that needs to be made. The only thing is, though, I've seen the roster – I don't really think they have all the tools needed to get that six and a half win, Ziggy. I went over their schedule. I saw who they're going to be going up against. I don't think I can give them the nod on that, though. And we could go over the schedule if you'd like. I would. Yeah, let's do, let's, let's, let, let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's do let's do that exercise because I'll be fascinated to hear where you think the wins and losses come uh, in their schedule. Uh, so already one win over Party Crashers. Uh, you then have them facing uh, against the Jamesons. How do you think they fare there? 
I think Jameson's take that one. I like uh, Jeff Rosenblatt this year. I like uh, I like the team that he constructed. I, I and here's the thing: I was thinking, what are we calling them this year? The the Silent Jamesons or <laughs> Jameson? What are we doing over here? Because I saw them teaming up with the Silent Ticklers over there. I like what they're doing. I see you, Jeff. I see you recruiting over there. It's there you go. He, he he added the purple. You know, uh, he just yeah, added yeah, more yeah. purple guys to his team. Good stuff. All right, I like so... Jameson's not matchup. So one and one after uh, three weeks. Then they face ATH squad. I think Jens Lee bounces back. I'll be honest with you. I think he gets his guys under control and he orchestrates a team that's going to go a very long way. Because keep in mind, these are all dudes that have played together all throughout their entire lives. And they held runs in like the middle of summer in Laval. I went to a couple. It's very well organized. Jens Lee's behind all of that. He's going to get his guys together. He's going to do the right things. He's going to make plays for them. I think they get the win there. Okay, so you have Maroons going a full month without a victory because of the way their schedule lines up. So they then play, uh, I believe it would be the week after the Super Bowl or maybe the Super Bowl Saturday. Uh, they play FFN. That's where it gets tricky. I think Maroons could pull off that win. Why? Because I do feel like they have more of a veteran presence along. Uh, Jared is coming into himself on his own. He's got the team that could compete because he has some firepower there. I'll be honest with you, but I just need to see the wins. I need to see the wins. I see that they started off 0-2 right now. I don't like what I'm seeing, Jared. Keep up those completions. Get that, Get those legs moving in that pocket. Do what you got to do. But I don't know if I can buy into them yet. You got to prove it to me, Jared. All right, so you have Maroons 2-2 two and two after four games. They then play the All-Stars. <laughs> Give me Wyatt. Come on, what are we there doing? There you go. No, I, yeah, what are, we, what, are we, what are we talking about? Did you uh, see that right. roster? Can we talk about that roster for a second? Bonkers. Go for it. Bonkers. No, it's incredible. <laughs> you got talent all across the board. You got one of the fastest dudes in the in the league. That's Chris Millard, who barely gets any targets on that team. I'm talking to him sometimes. He's like, oh, don't worry. As long as we're winning, Kevin does his thing. And he's a, you know, that's the vibe that they have. As long as they're winning, they're fine, you know, and they're going to keep winning because they have Kevin White. So I give me the All-Stars there. Then the Maroons face Flagmoal Sack, another uh, hard-hitting team. So I don't know if there was an injury that occurred with uh, Nado Pius. That's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on over here. I don't know now that there's some... now that now that game would be March 9th all the way in week 10. So even if there is an injury, we're we're sitting right now January 18th when this podcast comes out January 19th. So there's going to be a two month, you know, maybe resting period if there is an injury. So what do, what do you think there? So here's my perspective on that. A, I don't know the significance of any injury, if there is any, but B, more importantly, Nelo Cruz is very well connected in the FPF world and in the football world in general. So I'm sure he's around tons of talent, and I wouldn't be surprised if they bring along a very talented quarterback along the way. So give me flag one. I like what they, what they got going on over there. I like to see them back in the league, honestly. All right, so you got Maroons at two, sitting at 2-4, and four, uh, going down the grind of their schedule. Uh, so in week 11, uh, Maroons play KGP. This is where it gets tricky. You know, what, what kind of KGP team are we going to get over here? You know, like you never know every week. You never know with these guys. Mm. Give me KGP. Uh, Give me KGP. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to go Maroons there. Okay. So, Give me KGP. So, so Maroons sitting, would be sitting with two wins uh, as of March 16th. Uh, they would then be facing off against Stephen Harpersod and Blessed on March 23rd. Are they getting I their like, third win? No, no, no. I like Blessed. I like Harp. I like what he's doing up there. He, he. A lot of people say it's unorthodox. Hey, 
It works. It works, guys. That's all that matters. If it works, it works. You shouldn't be complaining. And he's proven it season after season, over 60% completion percentage, over 40 yards, uh, over 40 touchdowns almost every season. The guy is there, man. And I like the roster that they assemble every each and every year. Give me blessed in that case. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's 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 up there. Steve is one of the top five quarterbacks. He's a Hall of Famer. I, I definitely agree with you there. You have Maroon sitting at two and six, uh, with two more games remaining. Those two uh, last two games very difficult. You start with Royam Lumina. So, I think that they're my dark horse of this of this, of this entire Division One winter season. I would definitely go with Royal Luminaire on this matchup and a long way through, but we'll get further into that. Give me Royal Luminaire on that one. I like Jesse Bree, and you got AJ Gomez on the team. He's probably one of the best players in FBF at this moment. There you, go. you can't go wrong. There you go. A little shout out to your boy. Uh, so look, uh, they're only sitting on, they're sitting on two wins according to the Dan Lazara schedule. You're not, you're not taking them over Braves then, are you? Ah, <sighs> you see, this is where it gets tricky. No, of course I wouldn't. Of course I wouldn't. It's the Braves we're talking about over here. We've got Jonathan Meyer. Even though this team has been dealt with injuries over the last, what, two years of, like, calendar years, you got no more pylons on the team. Gary P barely shows up. The guy only wants to come to the playoffs if he's there. He's like, you know what, just throw me the ball back shoulder, Joe, like we always do. It's fine, you know. But they continue to show up with studs. They got speed. They got talent. And when you got Meyer, Mike, JD, Will, you have a chance, and I like their chances. So give me uh, Braves in that matchup. Okay, so uh, cor again, you heard it here. Dan Lazara going with a 2-8 and eight record for the Maroons. And to, to wrap up the Maroons, is that going to be enough for them to make the playoffs? That all depends on where everything else plays out. There's a couple of other teams that we don't know. We didn't go over any of their schedules, respectfully. Right. Don't worry about that. However... I don't really know if that's going to be enough to make the playoffs. I know that there's only, from what I've seen, only one team that's not going to be making the playoffs. Yeah. I'm not going to go ahead and make my prediction of who's not going to make the playoffs, but I don't know if two wins is going to be enough. I'll be honest with you, Iggy. Well, if if they they only have two wins, the Maroons do, and one of those is against FFN, and according to the Dan Lazara roster look, uh, and FFN already sitting at 0-2, maybe they, they do secure themselves a playoff spot with a victory over FFM, but you're right. There's a lot of games to be played. Division one is going to be fascinating as it is always. And and go for it. Wrap it up. Bro. I definitely want to be at that game. I just wanted to shout that out. That's going to be a great game, and that's going to be determining whether or not who's going to make the playoffs. More importantly, watch out for the FFN team. Get Jared a couple of like good solid plays into there. Get his offense down packed where it's not guys rotating in and out of the offense. Yeah. Remember the name, Justin Julian. He's back. And this guy's a stud. Go. I played with him in Waste Dude. This guy's a stud. They have a couple of studs in that team. If they get the ball rolling on that team, they could be dangerous as well. Just putting that out there. All right. Speaking of dangerous teams, Dan, uh, you know, this division is always All-Stars, Braves, Braves, All-Stars. Give me the one team that's going to give their shot at, 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 at Braves and All-Stars, give their run for their money in Division One. So over the years, um, as you've been on involved with uh, the league you could tell that there's always been that one team that you're looking at the roster you're saying i don't really see it i don't really see it but then they go up against big name teams and they pull off that upset and it's not just one time it's a couple of times and oh. they do it on a consistent basis oh. and that team is led by jesse dupree okay. and royal luminaire 
And now you got AJ, you got Gropini on the team. You got some studs on that team now. It's not just Jesse going out with his boys that he brought from Division Three and saying, hey, let's go there. And he's still pulling off upset with those guys. Now you got some studs with him. I think that uh, that game versus Blessed, from what I heard, Blessed got away with one. Listen, Blessed, I'm giving you respect. You got the win. Don't come at me. However, <laughs> I think that they're a dangerous team. They've proven that they can shut down the All-Stars. They beat the All-Stars in the Division Two finals. I don't know if you recall that with AJ getting a pick six towards the end of the game on Kevin Wyatt. And I've seen him plenty of times Jesse Dupree infiltrating that Braves offense of theirs because he's played on that team before. And he knows exactly the system that they run. So he knows how to come onto that drag. He knows when that deep pulse is coming. He, he sees a lot of things. Jesse sees the game differently, guys. So that's my dark horse for the league. I, I, I give you Royal Lumiere. Yeah, I, I really like that pick, that pick. And and like you you were alluding to, Jesse Dupree as a defender, very underrated defender. I have seen countless times. He knows when to shoot the gaps. And he's like, he's like, like you said, he's in the brains of the opposing Crazy quarterbacks. Instincts. Yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely one to watch out for. I, I really like that pick there, Dan. Uh, Dan, like I was doing with our other guests, uh, we don't do games of the week at the end of the show. We're going to be doing games of the week with our contributors. So you get your shot at the week three division uh, uh, games of the week. So here we go. You got Maroons against Jamesons. We kind of already did this, but who you got? <laughs> Give me the Jameson. Give me Jeff Rosenblatt, baby. Let's go. All-Stars going up against Party Crushers. <sighs> Fred Dupree, this guy, he's either going to come out slinging like he doesn't give an F, and he's going to throw bombs in your face, and they're going to come down with it. Emil is one of the nastiest receivers in this league as well. But you got to get the All-Stars. Ah, okay. I thought you were hyping all this up for an upset here. All right, you're going All-Stars. And then the final game, uh, short week here in uh, Division One. You got Flagmoal Sack against Braves. That should be a great one. Yeah, it should be a great one if Alex Nelson Fuse plays. We don't know the situation yeah. on that. I would, I'll actually I'll message them. I'll try and figure it out. However, I think... Um, the Braves did come back from a long tournament, and I spoke with Balan. They had a great tournament, but they did be like they got plagued with a couple of injuries. I don't know how they'll bounce back with that, but you got to give me the Braves still. I still feel like their system that they run, they're able to suffocate you and make sure that they force you into that one mistake needed to win the game. Give me the Braves in that matchup. All right, Dan, uh, thank you very much for joining the show. I really appreciated the insight, the mind of the quarterback that is Dan Lazara. Thanks again for joining, Dan. Thank you so much for having me, Iggy. I look forward to being on the show every week, talking FPF. Let's do this. We got a big winter season ahead, and I am so excited to watch some football, baby. Let's go. There you go. I love I love the passion, the energy you bring. Uh, everyone, Dan Lazara. Toodles, guys. All right, good night. All right, we, so we had uh, Dan Lazara join us there for Division One, the best of the best in, uh, in FPF. Uh, love to hear his thoughts. We went through the Maroons roster. Uh, we we have his dark horse in Royaume Lumina uh, going at it with All-Stars and Braves. Uh, so definitely, definitely going to be a, an amazing uh, road in Division 1. Uh, but we leave Division 1 behind and we go over to our final division for the night. That is going to be 35+. plus. Uh, again, our 35-plus uh, there was no contributor for tonight. So once again, you're going to have a monologue. Uh, just me, Iggy Magnets, going at it, uh, really going a little bit all over the place with my thoughts on 35+. Uh, plus. Uh, 
So we'll start with the 35 plus KTFL division. Uh, that uh, division uh, got underway this week uh, with uh, week one, uh, no games were played. Uh, and in week two in Saint Laurent uh, with, uh, with, we had JMJ, Brody Windsor, Flag Plus, and On Rock all getting their season started. Uh, and really, you know, one team showed a lot of rust and one team was firing on all cylinders in both of those games. Uh, so first, uh, you had uh, JMJ with Ryan Kastner putting up seven touchdowns uh, in their first uh, victory uh, over, I believe that was Flag Plus. And you had Brody Windsor uh, led by Sean Avram. Uh, these are two elite quarterbacks um, in, in both Kastner and Avram. Uh, so you had Avram uh, taking and scoring 50 points uh, on, on Rock. So really, he, he rocked them uh, all the way to, uh, to the victory. So like I was saying, you have two, when you have two elite quarterbacks like Kastner and Avram, and not only elite, but elite and coming off seasons uh, in the uh, fall cup and in the spring seasons. Uh, so, uh, you know, they got their foot back into the FPF world. Even Ryan Kastner played in last year's 35-plus, where he actually kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's gotten back into the game, played with hashtag NR uh, in uh, Division A in the Fall Cup. Uh, Sean Avram with his backyard bullies in, in uh, I believe it was Division C in, uh, in the spring season. So both of them got their taste uh, and their foot back in and taste of success. Uh, you know, having, uh, at least in Sean Abrams' case, a deep playoff run with the backyard bullies. Uh, so when you have two elite quarterbacks like this leading their squad, uh, the offense can definitely put up points like we saw in week one. Uh, 42 points for JMJ, 50 points uh, by Sean Abram and Brody Windsor. Uh, that's really, really difficult to keep up with. Uh, for defenses especially to, to keep up with, as the turnovers don't come as easy. I believe there was only two, maybe three turnovers, all coming from the JMJ side uh, uh, in, in both games combined, I'm talking about. So not a lot of turnovers from these defenses, these aging defenses, let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, but the quarterback, the quarterback position is one where age, you kind of get better over time. Yes, the aches and pains, I'm feeling them right now. You know, the back's uh, hurting, the shoulder's hurting. Um, but quarterback's that interesting position where it, you, you can survive longer and, and, and the legs don't necessarily have to keep up with the mind and the arm. So uh, definitely JMJ and uh, Brody Windsor, big, big wins uh, to start the season. Uh, I think those two teams are going to go a long way just simply because the offense can uh, put up points. Uh uh, and then I was thinking, you know, who who of those two teams can go undefeated longer, uh, whether it was JMJ or uh, Brody uh, Windsor. So if you quickly take a look at the JMJ schedule, uh, they play on Rock. I'm going to have to go with a, a victory there. And then you have JMJ playing Brody Windsor right away. So that's probably going to be uh, where the first loss comes from. Uh, and, you know, looking at both rosters, uh, I, I got to go with Brody Windsor. Uh, Brody Windsor to have a longer undefeated streak. Um, I, I, I just see more athleticism, more speed, 
a little on the closer to the 35 side than the 40, 45, uh, and 50 side of, of the ball. So uh, I, I like the team composition of uh, Brody Windsor. So I'm going to go with uh, Brody Windsor to go undefeated uh, longer. Uh, if we move over now to the 35 plus uh, legends uh, division, uh, in, in there, uh, you know, I was looking at I, 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 the games in week two, and I was kind of surprised by something. Something caught, definitely caught my eye. It was that um, that everything hurts after taking a a pretty deep uh, gutted loss uh, to in week one to the Bearskins. Uh, they came back with full force and uh, and took it back to the Bearskins, uh, really uh, taking it to them. Uh, I believe the scores will pull it up here. Yeah, forty-six to six. That's you know, it's it's not something you'll, you definitely wouldn't have expected that going in. Uh, you know, everything kind of just uh, yells surprise to me. Uh, you know, how exactly did uh, Frank Teoli Colicciola put up forty-six after uh, you know barely putting up one or two touchdowns in in week one? Uh, you know, Bearskins. Very good team. You got uh, Terry Tam, Ryan Nenson, GM Calatheris, uh Kevin Lippman, Vince Nardone. On and all, you know, Terry Tam more an offensive guy, uh, but on defense, how are you letting up? You know, forty six points. Uh, I, you know, I was told by GM Calatheris that for most, maybe some of the game, they were only five players. So that explains some of it. Uh, but still, a a forty point margin of victory. Um, and look, I I like the receiving core of Everything Hurts, right? It's the Vince Pizzanos, the Mario Rinaldi's, the uh, John Giamarellas. Uh, it's it's a known core of, uh, of uh, I want to say, uh, pension plan. That's it. Uh, they they go back, you know, throwing in Division Six and Division Five uh, under the the moniker of pension plan. So they definitely have a ton of of flag experience that comes uh, around them. And then you have some of the the uh, the guys that are on the edge of uh, just turning 35. So you have the Josh Curry's young, fast guy uh, with good hands. You have Anthony Sijo still, you know, in his prime, I would say, for flag football. Uh, his, his big body, his good hands, he knows the concepts of uh, finding the open holes and zones and, and creating natural pick plays. Uh, so I do like the, the roster composition of Everything Hurts, but definitely a surprise for me uh, was a 40-point drubbing of Everything Hurts over Bearskins. And then uh, the last thing that caught my eye uh, was Teen Ethnic Senior. Uh, definitely uh, going to be fun to see Benoit Lawler throwing in this division after taking, I want to say, the fall season off because uh, he was in the spring season uh, in Division C. So, you know, you have a Division C-level quarterback uh, coming to throw in 35-plus. Uh, in, uh, I would have to say, though, uh, by looking at the box score, that the first game was really, really difficult, especially the first three drives of the game. You had a four and out another four and out, and then an uh, interception on the third drive of the game. That was definitely, you know, not the way you want to start your season. But, you know, you got to find the positives in there. Uh, they were facing a tough pacemaker squad. Jason Rossi has probably already played like five or six games at quarterback. So he is definitely in the full swing of things. Uh, to only lose 32 to 25. After your first three offensive possessions go, 
and turnover on downs, turnover on downs, and interception to only lose by one possession shows me that you know that they picked up and, and still scoring twenty five points that they were able to to gain chemistry. Uh, I believe the fourth drive they scored in just two plays. So uh, it it was you know the chemistry was working. I'm just wondering if the next few games are they going to have that slow start to their games because if they do, they're already putting themselves behind at least 18 points, right? Because my philosophy in, in flag is that offenses are going to score. It's it's how many times are you going to get stopped? So for Benoit Lawler to, to not score on his first three possessions, to me, is leaving 18 points off on the board. So, you know, if you do that in your next game and, and, and week three and week four and week five, and you're, you're consistently leaving points off the board, early in games especially kind of I'm, I'm surprised he put up 25 in their last game against pacemakers because that starts getting in your head oh we're not moving the ball it's difficult to drive on this team so I, i'm not sure where to lead are they going to have difficult starts again or are they going to you know pick up pick up from where they last left off you know scoring 25 uh maybe not consecutive points but at least on their own drives uh scoring four drives out of four after their first three drives uh led to zero points uh so that's definitely something that i'm gonna gonna be uh looking for is how team ethnic senior uh comes out to play so that pretty much wraps up uh the show here as we uh as we went through the divisions again that mo didn't cover i want to thank jerome hovington for covering division four with me i want to thank Lori willette for going over coed one and coed two uh, I kind of have to thank myself, I guess, for uh, going over COVID 3 and 35+. Plus. And then once again, a, a, a thanks to Dan Lazara for joining us uh, with his hot takes uh, in Division 1. Uh, so with uh, without further ado, because I don't do a sign-off like Mo does, um, I just want to thank uh, all our contributors once again um, and uh, for joining us on the show. Uh, and that's it. We're going to see you on the field in Week 3. Uh, Saturday, uh, we'll see you there.